Praise the Lord. Let us pray. Precious Father, we just want to thank you for the privilege we have this morning to share in your word. We trust it into your hand. For without Flesh and blood cannot. Father, you love us enough that you want us to know the truth. You don't want us to destroy ourselves in ignorance. We trust you that this morning you will teach us. Your name be glorified. Our joy will be full. In Jesus' name we pray. So we're talking about prayer this week. The intended purpose is to stir us to pray, to remind us that we need to pray. We started the year with prayer, but we think along the line we need to come back and remind ourselves the importance of prayer so that we do. Any serious-minded Christian must understand the importance of prayer and must be prayerful. We read the scripture that Paul read, teaching us that God wants to answer your prayer. There is nobody on earth who loves you more than God. There is nobody, no living human being cares about you more than God. You, you will never understand how I could use it. I was talking with my son, Kenneth. We were sharing for almost two hours. <laughs> and it was beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. When you hear from these youths that have imbibed the truth and see it's working in their lives, it encourages you. He was telling me, he said, Daddy, he said, he said, Daddy, I can use the word desperate, that God is desperate to answer our prayer. I said, you got it. These young people get it. Desperate. Somebody said, Pastor, because they have not imbibed wrong doctrine before. Des- God really wants to, there's, God wants to answer your prayer more than you want him to do. Because he loves you with a love no human being can understand. It's impossible to understand how God cares about us. But unfortunately, we don't always get our prayers answered. Because we have not taken time to study about prayer from Bible point of view. We do what others do. So if they are in error, we copy their error, get their failure, get their frustration, and blame God. But the Bible says study. So you will not be ashamed. We won't do that. Even when we are teaching on prayer, you won't, you won't, you won't be there. You won't listen. Somebody says, I have faith. What is faith? It doesn't know. You don't have faith because you said I have faith. It doesn't work like that. You can be desperate for God to intervene and you start saying, Pastor, but I have faith. What is faith? You don't know. How does it work? You don't know. Where does it come from? You have no idea. And it's been taught over and over and over and over and over and over and over. And you didn't care to hear. Jesus said, they won't come to me so that I give them life. So this morning, I'm going to talk about access to God and his blessings. It is very important as a Christian that you are grounded in the basis of your relationship with God. If you do not understand the terms of your relationship with God, the devil will eat you for lunch, eat you for breakfast, eat you for dinner. Ignorance is a key destructive situation. 
he will attack you there because he knows you are ignorant of that. He will confuse you. Because you don't know that you can't have confidence when things opposite are happening. You don't have where to hook your confidence and say, because of this is my relationship with him, this cannot change. You have nowhere to hook your faith. And when it comes to prayer, you must understand that your, your relationship with God in prayer is based on a covenant too. God doesn't do things just for doing sick. He is very orderly, very purposefully, very purposeful. Look at what he said in Psalm 89, 34. My covenant will I not break. Shouldn't we say amen there now? I will not break it. Don't even begin to think that I will break it. I, I, I don't say things I don't mean. I will not break, nor alter the things that is gone out of my lips. I don't talk anyhow. God does not joke. When I read the word, I say, God, this is your word. When I read in it, I'm like, wow, this is God's word. This is God's word I'm reading. Nothing could be more sacred than that your Bible you're reading. The truth is there. He said, I don't utter the things that have gone out of my lips. Once I have sworn by my holiness, because I'm not unholy, that I will not lie unto David. It's impossible for God to lie. Impossible. I don't care what is happening in your life. If God ever said, this is what I'm doing, Nobody can change it. All the demons in this were put together. The only person who can change it is you. So his covenant with us, the terms of our relationship with him, it does not change with weather. It doesn't change with your circumstance. God is not really disturbed by your circumstance. He's not moved by your circumstance. He's moved by your faith only. Your circumstance does not face him. He knew it would come. But he says... Who has believed what? That's the point. That's the point. That's why the trouble maps. So it does not, the second, the, uh, the, 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 the covenant with God, with me and you, does not change because things are not working well. It doesn't change. And it doesn't change because things are working well. It doesn't depend on all of that. Paul said, I've learned. Whether I want or in plenty, I've learned how to deal with it. It's I deal with it with the strength that Christ gives me. So I, I don't change. You shouldn't be changing when it's bad. You say, oh my God, when it's good, I praise the Lord. It's not like that. Hebrews is starting. For example, there was God's promise to Abraham. Since there was no one greater to swear by, God took an oath in his own I want you to see how far God has gone to assure you that what he tells you is true. See how far, because he knows we have this difficulty in in believing him. He says, God took an oath in his own name, saying, I will certainly bless you, and I will multiply your descendants beyond what? Number. Then Abraham did what? Waited how? Patiently. Through faith and patience. I said it here. Sometimes your healing is gradual. Sometimes it's instant. 
Sometimes answers to prayer is instant. Sometimes it's gradual. Sometimes it's gradual. Because there are some things in your life you don't know that God has to remove like onions. There are things you, you, I was saying on Thursday, the longest day you live, don't ever do things because you can do them. Never. The devil can trap you in that and destroy your life. He can set you on a journey you don't know. The Bible says there are things that are right in the eyes of what? But the end is death. It will look good in your eyes. Your reasoning will be fantastic. But six months down the line, it's taking you off the faith. A journey of a thousand miles starts with one leg. It's taking you off the faith. Completely off the faith. Abraham waited patiently. And he received what God had promised. Now, when people take an oath, listen to how the Holy Spirit is talking to you and me. When people take an oath, they call on someone greater than themselves to hold them to it. And without any question, that oath is binding. God also bound himself. Think of it. The extent God has gone to assure mankind that you can trust me no matter what. God also bound. Oh my God. God also bound himself with an oath so that those who received the promise are his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we, we, you and I, who have fled to him, when sickness comes, you run to his promise, you hold it there. When your children are going south, you run to his promise, you hold it there. Hey, when you get a letter, you've been fired at your job, you run to his promise, you flee, you flee to him. The Lord, my helper, my provider, my strength, my guide. You run to him. He said, you have fled to me. You've come. Something was pursuing you. Something happened. Something wasn't good. You found me your, your God. And you said, in you I trust. You flee to him. People will flee to him. You don't flee to another man. Men will fail you. So he said, therefore we who have fled to him for refuge can have great what? Great what? <laughs> can you put it up for me a bit? We can have verse, what verse am I reading? We can have great what? Confidence. As we hold to the hope, the expectation. I have not seen it, but he's faithful. And what he says, we come to expectation. Hope is expectation. We hold to this hope that lies before us. This hope now, this faith, things hopeful, this faith, Brings you into divine presence. Think of it. Why? Because without faith you cannot, and without faith you can't assess God. He said, This faith goes behind the veil. You remember the veil? They used to have, God, God uses things to illustrate it. They used to have the veil in the temple. So behind that veil was the presence of God. The rest of them would worship there. Only the high priest would go. But in the New Testament, you and I can now go right there. When, Jesus, when they ripped that veil, God ripped it in such a way it could not be resold. 
which means it has to be thrown away. So he says, he says, this hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. He leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. That's what brings you there. That's what faith in him brings you there. He said, you come into your father's inner sanctuary. Those that dwell in the secret place, what? What will happen? We are there. Nothing. Let them go up and down. Nothing can change what God has to do. You're right there. You're dwelling in the secret place. Hiddens don't know there. But you found a way to go there. Is faith in him. And that's just another thing. Another thing about it. It says, 20. Jesus has already gone in there for you. Jesus went in there with his blood. You remember? With his blood. His blood is pleading mercy for you. And when you come to that truth, God says, mercy is yours. And because of my mercy, you will not be consumed. He said, Lord, how about tomorrow? Will it be there? He said, it's new every day. And great is my, it's not small, great. So our access to God is based on this covenant we have with him. All the blessings, all the privileges that we enjoy with God is based on this covenant. And this, this covenant is based on the blood washing you. Because if the blood didn't wash you, if you, you can't come to that place. The blood is key in your relationship with God. Don't discount it. The blood of Jesus. The Bible says without it, there is no remission of it. And if your sin is not remitted, you go to hell. Hell, you can't be a child of God. You can't come to his presence. Because God does not behold. It's, it's huge to understand the cleansing power of the blood. It is important as a Christian to have confidence in the ministry that Jesus accomplished for you. It is important. It is very, very important. Because if you take your eyes off of Jesus, which the devil tries to make us do, we put it on something that can't take away your sin. Hebrew 10, 14. For by one offering, not two. How many offerings? So why do we bring another one? Because you did something yesterday, you are still crying today. Is that an offering for sin? For by one offering he had perfected forever them that are sanctified. He has perfected forever that one offering, that one, that one time the blood was shed and brought to the altar of God. That singular act took care of us. And he won't, he won't do it tomorrow again or next tomorrow. That singular act is forever. You must understand this. When you say the power in the blood, don't you know what you're talking about? It has power to continuously cleanse you. Always, it's not dead. It's a living sacrifice. Animal blood, dead one. This one is living. He said, our high priest ever live it for, to make intercession for it. Continuous. It's alive. 
is alive. Tell your neighbor, that blood is alive. Tell him the blood is speaking for you. Praise the Lord. So he says, verse 15, whereof the Holy Spirit also is a witness to us Christians, for after that he had said before, verse 16, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, said the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, number one, and in their minds, I will write them. 17. Let's read 17 together. And their sins, iniquities, are what? A powerful statement he made there. Because if he remembers it, you can't come. If he remembers it, you'll be consumed. You can't come. Nineteen. Put, I mean, eighteen. Now, where the mission of this is, there is no more what? You can't present another offering for God to accept you. And that's what the devil wants to make people do. They think God will accept them because they did this, because they did that. That's a worthless thing. You're taking your faith off of Christ and put it on sinking sand. There is no other foundation God will accept that which is left. There is no other name given among men by which you are saved. None other. None other. 19. Having therefore bread and what? Oh, I didn't hear you now. Come on. That's where we're going. Having therefore bread and what? Can you tell them what I said? Having therefore bread and what? They didn't get it. But for you people to teach them. Come on. Let's go. Having therefore what? What are you supposed to have? Why? The blood. The blood. The blood. The blood. The blood. The blood. The blood has sanctified you holy. Having therefore bread and boldness to enter into the holiest by, I'm not hearing you, come on, by the blood. But he said, this is now a new and living. You know, I told you it's living, it's alive, it's not dead. He's rose from the dead. A new and living way, which God himself has consecrated for you and me. He said, this is the way I've created for you to be coming. Through the verb. That is to say his flesh, which he, when he died on the cross, his flesh was torn, blood came out of it. He said, that, that sacrifice is the way I have made for you to come. I created it myself. I, this is my son I sacrificed for you. You didn't do it. You know, it disappoints every Pharisee in the house. Because Pharisees want to show God how good they are. If you're a Pharisee, shout Hallelujah. Verse 21, and having what? A high priest over there. What is your high priest doing really? He's there with his blood. The Bible says his blood is speaking forgiveness, speaking mercy. He's there. Every high priest has something to offer. The high priest offers sacrifice. So our high priest is there. With his, it's a living a living way. It's a living way. It's alive. It's not dead. It's continuous. So why should God do that? For God so love. That's why I say you won't understand it. 
Because in our mind, we take vengeance on people. We, we, keep their, we keep record of their sins. And then we remember them. And then they, during Christmas, you take their name off the people you give some. You know, we used to do it when we were, okay, Lord, no, I'm not going there. Verse 22. I want us to read 22 together. I want to go. Let us what? Draw nigh with a true heart, in full assurance of it, having our heart sprinkled from evil conscience and our bodies washed with power. Say, sprinkle, take away evil conscience, my friend. Come, the, come, God created that way for you. Come. So let's examine the terms of this covenant and see how, how it connects you to prayer. So the next time you pray, you go with full assurance of it. I won't listen to the devil anymore. In Jeremiah 31, 33, God pronounced this covenant before he did it through the prophets. In Jeremiah 31, 33, he said, But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, said the Lord, I will put my laws in their inward parts, write it in their heart, we be their God. We be their what? The God. They shall be my people. And they shall teach no, no more everyone his neighbor and everyone his brother, saying, No, the Lord. It's not saying we have teachers because God puts in the church teachers. I will explain this by the grace of God for us. For they, they shall all know me from the least of them unto the greatest of them, say the Lord. For I will, I will, I will what? When we come here, you will talk. Because you don't believe it. <laughs> For I will. And I will remember their sins. What? When we come here, you see, tradition and religion has blocked people a lot. A lot. They present their God as wicked and heartless. And that's demonic. God, the Bible says God is love. For I will forgive their iniquity. I will remember their saying what? Because I have found a, a what? A what? I have found a what? A ransom and a mediator. Job says once it's found, God will take you out of the pit. It's called grace. You don't merit it. Then David, being a prophet, all of us know that David is a, was a prophet. Psalm 51, 2 to 14. He was saying the same thing. Wash me. This is when he committed sin with uh, Beersheba. Is it Beersheba? Beersheba. So David was saying that his sinfulness is representative of divine iniquity. I mean, sorry, not divine. I mean, human iniquity, not divine. Human iniquity. That is representative of the destructive, fallen nature of man. So he was talking prophetically here. If you remember that in Psalm, in, in Psalm 22, David was talking about the wars on the cross. In Psalm 23, he's talking about the church. In Psalm 24, he's talking about the coming Christ. David said a lot that Jesus said. So here he's talking about the same, the same covenant. So he said in verse 14, Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. 
that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, now he's telling God the broken nature of man. This is why I did this thing. Behold, I was brought forth in what? I was born a sinner. I was born a sinner. God. In, all, in, in, in Adam, all die. For all have sin. So I was born in iniquity and in sin, my mother conceived. He said, that's why humanity was born broken. Born with a sin nature. Behold, you desire truth in the world's part, but I don't have it. And in the hidden part, you will make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop. The word purge means take away something that is not wanted. It's not just forgiveness that David is talking about. He's saying that there needs to be a purge. If you are purging something, what do you do? You scrub off something. He said, take away something in me, the unwanted part of me. Purge it. Take it away. See, he's talking prophetically. So he said, purge me with tips up and I shall be clean. Wash me. And I shall be watered down. Walk and wash away my sin. Nothing. See, he's talking prophetically that you will need to wash me. You will need to purge me. You need to take away the part of me that's not wanted. It's not good. Make me hear joy and gladness that the bones you have broken, Mary, just hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Without the blood, that's nothing. Create. Create. In me a what? Oh God. And renew a steadfast spirit with him. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your what? So what's he talking about? Salvation. And uphold me by your generous spirit. Then it is only then I will teach transgressions your way and sinners shall be converted to you. Deliver me from guilt of bloodshed, O God. And God says, when I forgive your sins, I will remember them. So God says, in Christ I will do this. Then, then listen to this one. The God, the, the God of my salvation. And my tongue, he says, that when my tongue shall sing aloud of your own righteousness, not my own. That's when I will talk about your own what? The gift of righteousness you give. So man was born in iniquity. David was, David was saying it, representative of the fallen nature of man. We needed to be purged, cleaned, blotted out, as in blotted out. And so we cannot understand God's gift of righteousness. which brings us to God's presence. So God fulfilled all this covenant, all the, the, the covenant times through the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. His blood that was shed to atone for man's sins brought man back to him. The blood brought us back to him. John 6, 37. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me, I will what? So David said, cast me not away. Jesus said, yes, I've come to get it done. Anybody that comes to me now, I will in no wise cast him. 
Ephesians 2, 13. Let's read Ephesians 2, 13 together. It's 2, 13. Not, is it 2, 13? Ephesians 2, 13. Okay, I read it from here. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were afar off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Cast me not away. God did it in Christ. He said, if you come to Christ, you can't be cast away. Now, instead of casting you away, you have been what? By the blood that was shed to wash away your sin and make you acceptable to God. That's why you can come in his presence. Can I hear amen? So in Hebrew 4.14, are you following me? Hebrew 4.14, seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. Throne of what? Listen, if you don't want grace, you don't want the throne of God. Then you find another truth. Just find another truth. But if it's God's truth, that's where grace reigns. Period. If you don't want it, God, God, God said my throne is the throne of grace. It's his throne now. Are you going to tell him what it should be? If you don't want it, find another throne. Go. But he says, you see this throne? is the throne of grace. And I will give you grace. I will give you mercy. Because somebody paid with his life for it. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we, we may obtain. What do we obtain? Mercy. And find what? Grace to help us in time. Did you see say you obtain your reward? No, it's always grace. It's always mercy. It humbles us. Our pride won't take it. No, no, no. I don't show God. I, can't do God. I, can't have, I have to prove to you that I can do it. The Bible says, when you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, God will what? When you make yourself nothing of no reputation, that's when God will lift you. Hebrew 10, 20. By his date, Jesus opened, we'll read this one, so we're not reading it again. So let's examine this covenant in more details. This, this type of people I'm going to read about are not part of this covenant. Hebrews 10, 29. So, think how. Is it 29 I'm reading or 23? So, think how much more punishment. Yeah, 29. So, think how much more punishment people deserve who show their hate for the Son of God. People who show they have no respect for the blood sacrifice that began the new agreement and once made them holy. They were once made holy. Who insult the spirit of grace. Who know that God said, we know that God said, I will punish people for the wrongs they do. I will repay them. And he also said, the Lord will judge his people. It is a terrible thing to face punishment from the living God. These are people who are Christians who have now denied Christ completely. They have no respect for the blood that once washed them. Mostly people who have grown in the Lord. Another scripture qualifies this more. 
say those who have tasted the powers to come, the powers of the Holy Spirit, people who have, who have grown in the Lord, who know what they're doing. All of a sudden, they deny Christ, denounce the blood, denounce there are no more Christians. They're gone. They don't qualify. Then there are people who are in the church who the Bible describes as wolves in sheep's what? Ah, you're not talking. The Bible describes them as what? Wolves in sheep's clothing. They're everywhere. Everywhere. And the Bible says, such people will not inherit the kingdom of God. You know what inherit means? Jesus said, except a man is born again, he shall not inherit the kingdom. So when the Holy Spirit said, you are not inheriting the kingdom, it means you are not part of it. They are wolves. They are not Christians. And by their fruits you shall. First Corinthians 6, 9. Know you not that the unrighteous my brothers and sisters, let the Holy Spirit speak to us. Know you not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? But be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind. You know what this is? It's so clear what he's talking about. Nor thieves, nor covetous, people who habitually want to cheat you. They come, anywhere they come, they want to game it. They want to cheat it. They want to, they go to any lane to cheat you. They won't pay for anything. They want to live on others. They are covetous. The Bible says that idolaters, they worship, they worship the, the God of this world, money. Habitually they do this. They are known for it. It says, not thieves, not covetous, not drunkards, not revelers, partying all over the place, not extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. See, you were like that before. But you have come to Christ, and you are no more like that. If any man is in Christ, is what? This is not a joke. This is not just, it's a reality. And such were some of you. But you are washed now. But you are sanctified now. But you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. So let's make it clear that these ones, I'm not talking about them. So God promised to write his laws in our heart. Like David calls it, creating in us a new steadfast spirit, purging the unwanted part of us, the sinful nature. Ezekiel 36, 24. For I will take you from among the hidden and gather you out of all countries and will bring you into your own land. Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you and you shall be clean. From all your fitness, from all your idols, will I cleanse you. 26. A new heart also will I what? 
give you. And a new spirit. David said, give us a steadfast spirit. He said, yeah, that's what I do here. A new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart of your flesh. Stony means dead. has no life. And I will give you the heart of what? Flesh. Which means life. 27. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my status. And you shall keep my judgments and do them. And you shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers. And you shall be my people. I will be I will be your God. I will also save you from all your uncleanness. And I will call for the corn and will increase it and lay no famine upon you because you'll be redeemed from the cause of the law. So see, see how God's fulfilled this covenant. Are you, are you following me? Please follow me. It's important that you know this and get it established in your heart and walk. Remember, it's through this, this, is, this is what the terms of relationship we have with God. Don't get out of there. So Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we cannot do the good things he planned for us long ago. So you see, David said, purge me, take away. So in Christ Jesus, he created us anew. He took away the old sinful nature, purged us. So salvation is not just forgiveness of sin. That that's a purging. That's a taking away. That's a new creation that God did. And when God created us, he gave us his life. So we cannot do through Christ that is in us. We cannot do those things that God planned for us to do before. In Romans 5.5, 5, it says, And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we, are, we know how, how dearly God loves us, because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with what? Half of you are sleeping. If you are sleeping, shout amen. Okay. Let's read the last line. Let's read that last line. Instead, they will... No, no, no. Okay. It says... Because he has given us what? The Holy Spirit to fill, to fill our hearts with what? It's love. So he's saying the new life you have is his nature. For God is love. He's filled us with his love. And if he has filled us with love, this is how Paul described it in 2 Corinthians 4.14. Either way, Christ's love controls us. So you see, he said, I will write my laws in their heart. And what God did was to give us his nature. And that nature is love. And then that love controls you. And if the love, love of God controls you, you will do the will of God. Amen? So he said, either way, Christ's love controls us. So we're no more controlled by our emotions or by what somebody does to you. People, hey, love people. Just be a fool. Let them trample upon you as much as they want. Forget about it. That's your stepping stone, stepping stone to promotion. If you can follow God, if you can lay, if you can become zero, if you, let, let it be. Be a fool. Like that. Let them match you. Let them match you. The day God will lift you up, it will baffle everybody. I'm telling you. God's ways are not our ways. Sometimes before God will promote you, he will allow you to experience some things so that you can, you can handle that when you get there. 
There are certain things happening to you. He didn't bring it, but he allowed it. Why? He's preparing you for something. I called my son, Ugo. I said, Ugo, come. I said, Ugo. Hi. I said, the Holy Spirit is not, it's not your degree. It's not your college. It's not your professor. It's not, it's God. It's different from anything. I said, let him guide your life. Don't look to any man. Look to him. He has plans for you. He knows what he's doing. He has the power to do it. And if he ever brings his anointing upon you, the whole world will come chasing you. He will do what all the universities put together can do. True woman. True woman. True woman. And the way he does his things, he'll he, he, he do it in such a way you will never take the glory. You will know you, there's no way this happened. You people should pray for pastors, so, so we keep preaching. Because we, we, it, it's wonderful for you to experience these things, because it's real. If you don't go down, you can't go up. The way for God to bring you up is first of all, that's what the scripture says, he that goes up is first of all, went down. Go down. Forget it. They don't have your future in their hands. God has it. God has it. And when he wants to do something, nobody can stop him. He would take you. My, my cousin Bonnie was nothing. Had nothing. I would visit him in Canada. Bonnie was just trusting God. In one week, God took Bonnie from somebody who had nothing to a person who had a $5 million business. He called me and said, brother, I'm an employee of labor. I'm my, my, it's my company now. If I tell you the story, it will will blow your mind up. How God took him from a thousand something dollars to over half a million. From there to five million. And now he called me the other day. He said, brother, it's flowing. Well, I have not told him to remember me in his kingdom. Why do we even fight for anything? It's not worth it. It's not worth it. Learn the lesson of the moment. Say to Jesus, Lord, I'm here for you. All I want is is you. You are sufficient for me. That's it. Nothing is worth it. People, nothing is worth it. I'm telling you, it all ends here. It all ends. The day we call you home, you go to a greater glory. It's not worth it. Let me tell you, if God is for you, if God is handling your affairs, I don't care how much they threaten, what they ooh, laugh at them, they can do nothing. For God says, they shall surely gather, but not by me. He said, those who gather against you, they shall surely also fall. Why? Because I'm with you. I'm with you. So he says, God wrote this law by giving us his love. Romans 13, 8. Oh, no man anything, but to love one another. Just do it. Stop complaining and telling stories. Other stories is what is holding you back. Bless your enemies. <laughs> love them. You don't have any enemy. You have only one enemy, devil. 
Blessed human beings, be nice to them. Be with all your heart, be a fool. Be a child. That's the heart that God was with. Be a child. If God doesn't do it, whatever you are doing is a waste of time. I don't care how you think you've gone up. One day you come down. Love them. Stop complaining. Stop murmuring. Hey, they did tell me. They did tell me. Jesus is God. He came here. The people he created flogged him. They spit at him. These are the people he made. And he said to his disciples, I can call on my father this woman. And millions of angels can wipe out this woman. But I will not do that. Why? I have to obey my father. People, that's the way we go. He said, God, forgive them. For what? Shouldn't we have? Is it not the same spirit? Is it a different spirit we have? Why can't we be nothing? Why? What's, what's, what, what, what do you gain? What do you gain? Okay, you, okay, you won. Ah, okay, you have won. <laughs> ah. Romans 38. Let's read it together. One, two, go. Oh, no man anything but what? Love one another. For he that loveth another had what? God said, I'm going to write my laws. I put my love in you. You, you walk in my love. You fulfill all my laws. Listen. Then let's come to our sins. Our sins and lawless did. God said he will remember no more. Let me quote openbible.org. It says, this this covenant offers complete forgiveness of sins to all who come to Christ for salvation of their souls. Their forgiveness is so complete that God says he will remember them no more. So how do you treat your own sins if God does not remember them? Why do you? We have confidence to enter the holy places placed by the blood of Jesus. If you are a Christian today, you can have confidence as you approach God with your prayers and worship because you are no longer far away from God but have been made near by the blood of Jesus. Can we say amen to that? We cannot preach the gospel without preaching forgiveness of sin because that's what the blood achieved. That forgiveness of sin is what the blood achieved. And with that forgiveness of sin, the obstacle between you and God has been removed. That's why you draw nigh. We can't pray the gospel without preaching forgiveness of sin. If you take away forgiveness of sin, you deny the, the, what Jesus went to do. You say, this is my blood, which is what? For the what? Forgiveness of your sin. You can't take it away. It's the core message of the gospel. Acts 13, 38. Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you, what? Okay, let's read it together, 38. One, two, go. I want to hear you loud. One, two, go. Let's go. Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you, what? What is preached to announce it? Why? The blood has been shed. 
The thing about the power of the blood is to take away sin. And by taking away sin, God used what I call one out of four weapons, the blood. Disarmed the devil. The, the, took away his power to kill. Took away, because sin was the thing that empowered all of it. Once God did that, he disarmed the devil completely. Co- totally. He can't recover. He, his confidence is sin. The Bible said that the sting of death is what? Sin. The sting of death is sin. The sting of death is what? And the blood washed away sin. So death has no more sting. Don't you get it? So the Bible said that that Jesus, by his death, took away the power of death from the devil. Why? Sin has been washed away. So death has lost its power over those who believe in him, even though they die the way death can't hold you no more. Even when this did, I told this, any day here I've gone home, if, if you are what's here talking, I went home because my time is over. You want me to stay here with you paying taxes? Being Irish. Don't sit down. Once it's time, I'm happily going home. I'm, oh, I'm happily, oh, I'm happily going home. God gave me a revelation amazing. The hope of our calling. It's not for this earth. It's for heaven. It's not here. He was teaching me. You know, you pray this prayer, open our eyes, we know the hope of his calling. That's why he taught me about our inheritance. He said, my inheritance in you. He said, did you read that scripture? He said, so that you know God's inheritance in you. I've been wondering, I said, God's inheritance? He said, yes. He said, because you own nothing in this world. You have nothing in this world. Nothing. You came into this world with what? And you are living what? So which one is yours? Everything God is giving you is his own. Everything. You have not, zero or zero. Human beings have nothing. The earth is the loss of what? So when the Bible is talking about God's inheritance in descent, he's talking about that God owns everything, but he gives it to you as an inheritance as a child. But he still owns it. The power is his own. That's what Jesus said. The power is yours. The glory is yours. It's also it's all yours. The power is his own. Is it your power? The life he gave is his own. Is it your life? I'm talking. The blood he shed is his own. Is it your own? Everything is his. Everything is his own. He just gave it to you to inherit it. Because of Jesus. So when you come to prayer, understand that you have a right to inherit it now because of the blood. You know, Jehoshaphat says something amazing. I mean, that's why God just, just popped my eyes open. In, in, he says, uh, I think in, in uh, 2 Corinthians 20.10, and now, here are the people of Ammon, Moab, Manseh, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt. But they turned from them and did not destroy them. Verse 11. Listen to what he said in verse 11. Here they are, rewarding us by coming to throw us out of your, what? He didn't say our position. Brethren, when God, the Spirit of God is talking, he doesn't lie. He says, your position. Which you have given us to what? Inherit. It's your position. The earth is yours. Everything is yours. You simply allowed us to inherit this place. That's what he said. It 
takes away pride from you. And that's what, what, what Paul was praying in Ephesians 1.18. Ephesians 1.18. Let's go there quickly. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling. Listen to the last time, line. What the riches of the glory of his. His what? Not yours. His inheritance in this sense. He said, it's him. It's his. You have nothing. He gave you life. It's his life. He gave the power that walked in you. It's his power. And that power heals. So healing is your inheritance. Everything that power does is your inheritance. That power provides is your inheritance. Are you following what I'm saying? So if it's your inheritance, where you go to pray, would you have confidence? That I am asking for my, even though it is God's, but he has given it to me to inherit in Christ Jesus. I don't know if you follow me. Ah, you are not following me. If you are following me, shout hallelujah. The power that provides you husband or wife, husband or wife, this power, right? But he gave you the right to inherit what that power does. So you can say, Daddy, I'm of age, I need a husband. Show me my husband. He goes to work because it's your inheritance. It's your right. It's your privilege as a child. And I was saying on Thursday, say he would do it so you are joy. God wants you married. He wants you going down the altar and be rejoicing more than you want to. God wants you healed more than you want to. God wants to give you what you want. Why? Because it's your, he gave it to you already as an inheritance. It all belongs to him, but you have a right to what? His authority is his authority, but he gave it to you. Say, in my name you shall what? Yeah. Castardimus is my name. I, it's my name. It's not your name. But I gave it to you. I don't know if I'm communicating. How bold will you be when you pray? You are not asking for what is not legally yours. You are asking for what is legally yours, binding on God by oath and by a covenant. If you understand the shout hallelujah. That's why I said, if you ask anything according to my will, it's a confidence I give to you. His will is showing you what belongs to you. The things has freely given to you in Christ Jesus. I'm showing you, you by covenant, the blood has washed you, forgiven you, come boldly, the throne is throne of grace. Why are you fidgeting? Why are you calling Pastor Chinedu to go for you? Why should I go for you? What happened to your own covenant with him? Go. He will celebrate you. Can I hear amen? amen. I want to hear amen. amen. I want us to rise up. That's the fast love of our Lord never see. His mercy. Hallelujah. The annual. Always. You every morning. My Lord. Before we sing it again, I want you to listen to me. 
You know, you know, God did all miracles in Egypt. And Pharaoh refused to let the people go until the blood was shed. It's significant. Until the blood was what? Immediately that blood was shed. The, the demons of Egypt didn't have any power to hold the children. God said, this day, this day, this day, I will judge the gods of Egypt. I will deal with them. The weapon, he said, put the blood where? That blood will stop them. Because it's a tool for your sin. If the blood of animal could stop the plague and stop the demons of Egypt, what would the blood of Jesus do for you? I'm asking you. It will stop the plague and stop the devil in your life. God himself said, when I see the blood, I will what? He said, the angel of death will pass over you. Because the blood takes away your sin. And the sting of death is what? Sin. So when sin has been washed, death has no more sting. Scorpion without poison. When you plead the blood, you know what you're talking. You plead it against the devil. You say the blood speaks for me. Satan, this blood speaks for me. My sins are washed away. Satan, my sins are washed away. You have no power. God has judged you on the cross. Just it fast, Lord of the Lord, never see. That has given you access to God. That has brought judgment upon Satan. Deprived him of what he used to attack you. Accuse you all the time. If he's not powerful, why is he accusing you? But Jesus is not accusing you. Jesus is pleading for mercy for you. On whose side will you fall? I want you to begin to thank God for his blood. Thank God for his blood. The blood of Jesus. Thank God that the blood has stayed in plague in your life the blood has stayed the hand of the plague of whatever that plague is in your life appropriate it it's your right it's your right it's your right it's your right the sting of death is sin but the blood has washed away sin in our life death has no more sting no more sting for the Lord of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the Lord of sin and death. Child of God, enter into your privilege. Enter into your privilege and bring joy to your life. 
bring glory to Jesus. If the blood of animal could stay the plague, what would the blood of Jesus do? Whose report are you going to believe? In Jesus' name we pray. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. To him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Thank you. Let me sit. You still go the minutes you have. Don't cut anything off. Whatever they're not give you, follow it to the end. Okay?